Coming up on this week's episode of the Premier League Roundup Show. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comes out with a win and now I think I love the man even more. Felix does seem to like dropping points as an Arsenal fan. <coughs> so, Kazuma. Uh, getting on it, the best name in football, I believe. That makes me happy knowing you're such a such a wonderful middle name, as well as Zuma. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to episode number five of the Premier League Roundup Show. I'm Leo Holland, and as per, joined by Felix Allen. How's it going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Obviously, uh, not a great week. Uh, well, weekend for myself and Arsenal in total. This whole week has been a bit of a disaster. A key area to to talk or not, I mean, obviously as an Arsenal fan, it is of special interest to me, but it is one of the stories of the week going around, this whole whole situation with Meza Ozil, the loss to West Ham, Sven Mistentat leaving. It's just a, a complete, complete disaster, all topped off by Unai Emery saying in a press conference that Arsenal can only sign players on loan. I mean, as a fan, within the last seven days, it's just been a complete and utter shambles. I mean, if you think about it, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, it was United going, we are properly in a mess, the club's going nowhere, it's all gone wrong, and Arsenal, who were like 20 games unbeaten, it was like the best feeling around the club in ages, Emery's God, stuff like that, and now... I was always weary, you know, we hadn't really, I know we, everyone kind of says, oh yeah, well, we drew to Liverpool or whatever, but we hadn't really played anyone good in that run. We then did, we, to be fair, we beat Tottenham, that was just one of those games where it's just like, it was almost like a cup final, you know, it was just, the form sort of went out the window, but then when it really got down to it, I mean, a draw to Brighton, obviously that horrendous loss to Liverpool, 5-1, and then now the loss to West Ham away, we've really been brought back down to earth. I mean, some fans were... To be fair, getting way too far ahead of themselves, I was a bit more, a uh, bit more cautious in during that run. I couldn't have seen a worse beginning to 2019 as an Arsenal fan. What a moment for Declan Rice! His first Premier League goal. He's obviously been through a lot with the is he English? Is he Irish? Pressures from both FAs, and then first Premier League goal, winner against Arsenal. At home, it's just a, it must have been such a special moment for him, and you could see on the pitch it meant so much to him with his celebrations. Yeah, it's nice to see players that don't have a special celebration; they just go mental, and then you know it really actually means something to them. But obviously, it's not so great when they uh, when they score against you. I mean, just right from the beginning, the whole the whole selection was like completely off. I mean, we had all these players that the club made a big thing about. Oh, Bellerin's back in training. Kashani, sorry, Mustafi's back. Ozil's back. It was like everyone going into that game was really, really positive. And as soon as that uh, team sheet came out, it was like Ozil was not in the uh, not in the eighteen for not the first time this year. For, for, he's been out for many games. Bellerin was on the bench. We had like Maitland Niles. We had a Wobi. It was just a complete shambles from the off. And we deserved to lose the game. To be perfectly honest, we we had we to be fair we created a couple chances at the beginning. Lack is it? We had, I'm pretty sure I saw the stat. We had uh, five shots in the first 20, so in the first 15, and none in the final 15, when we were 1-0 down. And it was just like, it was just such a, de- a depressing day for so many reasons. Uh, but the Ozil thing, I think they're more important. You know, you can, you can have these losses here and there, and it doesn't really, really affect your season in a, in a huge way. But the, uh, the Ozil being left out is becoming a huge, huge deal. I mean, we've It seen- doesn't make sense on any level, does it? 
on a financial level, he's your biggest asset. He's one of your highest earners. He is the the, the highest. By the highest earner by a while. Yeah. And then in tactical reasons, argue some fans argue, does he fit the system? Well, I think with a player of Meza Ozil's quality, as we know that he does have on his day, you've got to have him in. Can Arsenal actually afford the wage that they're paying him? To not play him, can they afford to have him sitting there? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't actually a good excuse this week. I mean, there have been some no, he, good excuses. He said it, it was, was tactical. Yeah, he said it was. Ta- he said it was well, for he, tactical reasons. He's one of the best players in your squad, and you're leaving him out for tactical reasons. Well, you know, Emery's sort of given up making all these bollocks excuses about back spasms and you know being a bit ill. You know, he loves the old. Yeah, Messi's got a cold. Messi's got a back problem. Messi's got this. He literally just blatantly said, he's kind of run out of excuses, gone, yeah, Ozil is genuinely out for tactical reasons. Everyone in the league knows that Meza Ozil is in Arsenal's best 11. I don't care if how you say Meza Ozil doesn't track back or he doesn't work defensively. When Meza Ozil is in that, that free-moving 10 role, he is literally amongst the best players in the world. And the idea he's not in the, starting, the best starting 11 is completely ludicrous. However, if you're not going to... If you're not going to try and use Meza Ozil in the best way possible, if you're just going to be like, right, Meza, you have to adapt to my system, then of course it's going to fall apart. Because Meza Ozil is one of those players that you need to be able to say you have the freedom to go out and prove you're a world-class player. It's exactly the same as Pogba at United, isn't yeah. it? Under Mourinho, track back, track back. Under Solskjaer, he's, got, he's been involved in eight or nine goals in four games. It's just some players... You just have to let them express themselves in the way they when want they're good to. enough. You know, you, you wouldn't say that you would give you like it won't be. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you wouldn't say it won't be. You could do whatever you want. To be fair, he did play that ten role actually quite well against West Ham. But you know, he's not on a street close to Mesut Ozil in terms of your creativity in that area. And so, you, to, for Mesut Ozil to really flourish, you have to say right, you can do what you want. And it's a trust relationship with the player and the manager. Arsene Wenger obviously had that. Ozil was obviously Wenger's favourite player. and just Record signing at the time. And someone that could just do what he wanted and do what Wenger loved and play Wenger's football. And, and it worked so well. However, now it's, it's become a complete mess. And it's, just, it's getting embarrassing as a fan. Like, our best player, well, in my opinion, I think, you know, obviously we've had some good players this year, but... Easily one of our best players and our manager can't agree with each other to even be for, for Meza Ozil to be in the 18. You've got to wonder do Arsenal have the creative players otherwise? Because Lacazette and Aubameyang on their day up front could be the best strike partnership in the league, no doubt about it. But behind them, if Meza Ozil isn't on the pitch, you've got Iwobi who's Fairly inconsistent. Got you've Ramsey got, leaving in the summer. You've got Ramsey leaving. You've got Mkhitaryan, who's had two or three good games in an Arsenal shirt in oh, total. That, that is stretching it, honestly. It's stre- exactly, it's stretching it. You've got Gendouzi, who isn't that type of Well, yeah, player. well, the rest of you have got defensive players. You've got Tereva, Xhaka, Gwendouzi, who, for some reason, Emery was so set on not playing Ozil that we played at home to Huddersfield with Gwendouzi, Xhaka and Tereva all playing as centre defensive midfielders. And Torreira, one of your best players of the season, hasn't didn't even play against West Ham. He wasn't he was on the bench as well. You've just got to wonder what is Emery actually trying to do at Arsenal? Well, What's I mean, his plan? 
Well, he, I mean, you can say Terry has played a lot of games, but he had his rest against Brighton, and it was now time for him to him to return and, and play against West Ham. Maybe he needs more rest, whatever. But there are still lots of questions that Unai Emery has to answer for, because as fans, if a player of Ozil and Terry's magnitude is fit to play... He's got to be in the team. They, they have to be in the team. No one will be able to justify how Iwobi makes it into a starting eleven ahead. Not saying necessarily that Iwobi can't play on the same pitch or alongside. No one can question that Iwobi should a, start. In a like-for-like yeah. role, as Iwobi's been against, playing. For that not to be happening is genuinely becoming embarrassing. Because I don't see how it ends. The only way I can see it ending is... Well, we're not going to shift off Emery soon, I don't believe. And so it looks like, if this continues, that Ozil's going to be off in the summer. Which would be a massive shame and a massive failure amongst the board, amongst the manager. Not really, I wouldn't say Mesut Ozil's fault. Obviously, we don't know what he's like in training. He might be a massive pain, but I still don't think it is that difficult to give Mesut Ozil that license to do what he wants. And if we end up losing Ozil, that means we completely reshape our whole side because we've always relied on that creative number 10. And Ozil has been incredible and filling that void is, is seemingly impossible. Unless Emery's trying to do something completely alien to what we've been playing the last 10 years, then we're going to have to sort it out. If he does want to do something else and sell Ozil and get that money to to buy a wing or whatever and then play with these kind of three holding midfielders that kind of move in a triangle and then you have this massive pacey attacking front line, then then so be it. But we can't be in this situation where Mesut Ozil... You're in between, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, Mesut Ozil's on 350 grand a week. But Arsenal not don't playing. have that money. At the end of the day, Arsenal cannot afford cronky, to be playing one player £350,000 a week if he's not playing, if he's not returning them anything. Yeah, and it's not, well, it's things he's not, it's not that he's not returning, he's not give, being given the opportunity to, to do that. Exactly, and that can only lay at fault of the manager. That's got to come at Emery's door. It's also got to come with, with new signings as well. I mean, we can't just give up on this season because this season, this season is very much not over. It's but been a good we, season for us, yeah. you have to admit. I don't understand how we can start that well and then have this massive problem right in the middle of it and our head of recruitment to leave because he's apparently not happy and has been shocked with the way Emery's been handling the transfers. They're not signing anyone in January. Come out and say in a public press conference that we cannot uh, sign any players only on loan. And then have an owner who hasn't invested any money in the club for several years. And well, literally it never has. It's always been Arsenal's profit pushed back in to, to make up his his ranches and his, his other franchises. He's got the LA Rams. He's got his 700 whatever million pound ranch. It's just, it's a complete shambles right now. And uh, Hat, I don't know. why don't we talk about something else? In, ter- in terms of West Ham, it looked very final for Marco Arnautovic, didn't it? Coming off 70-75 minutes in, clapped all four sides of the ground. It's been rumours that he's off to China. And you've got to wonder, if West Ham lose Marco Arnautovic, who can they sign? Who can West Ham realistically sign that's going to be better for them? Because Arnautovic is... I, I would personally take him at United. I, I do think that on his day... Over Rashford? He's, no, not over Rashford, but I think that on his day, he can genuinely be world-class. He hasn't done it that often, but when you look at the calibre of player and the likelihood of West Ham replacing him with someone, somebody else that good, who can West Ham realistically attract? Well, I mean, eventually it's going to be about the money, isn't it? Obviously, they, they, 
didn't have a better attacking midfielder than Dimitri Payet, but they still had to sell him because he simply refused to play. It just depends about the mental uh, mindset of, of Arnautovic. If, if Arnautovic is set on leaving, there is, unfortunately, there's, well, there's not a lot to do as a club. It's like, well, I don't want to play for you lot. Well, at that point, you've just got to take the money and sell him. And try and reinvest. But... Yeah, well, if Arnautovic was saying his final goodbyes, or if he was just being a bit of a bit of a showman, stir, stirring the rumours a bit, which I think is probably more likely. I don't think they're going to lose him in January. I think, once again, the paper's excited, I reckon. Get I'm, his I'm name not out sure. there. Get his name out there. It's kind of get, get, drive his price up a bit. I'm not sure. But I'd be surprised if Arnautovic is at West Ham at the beginning of next season. On the subject of January transfers, I mean, there have been some bizarre, some bizarre decisions made in January. Who would you say is the best ever Premier League January signing? Best January signing? Oof. So, what have we got? Thinking about some. Do you want me to kick off? Yeah. Right, I know I'm biased, but for me, it's got to be between two. Vidic or Evra. Two cornerstones of that defence. Two sort of unknown players coming in and becoming, in truth, United legends. Vidic is still revered around United, as is Patrice Ever. I mean, he's, done on, he's gone on to do a few odd slash controversial things in his, in his career after United. But, you know, I think I'm going to have to go with Vidic. For that centre-half partnership that he formed with Rio Ferdinand that for so many years seemed impenetrable. Me personally, for the price as well that we signed him for, it, it would have to be Nemanja Vidic. I think that it's hard to disagree with that. There have been, if you look slightly more recently, someone that definitely hasn't proven his worth, or probably, I mean, he was only like 30 million odd, but someone that definitely has an extremely promising future to come is Gabriel Jesus from uh, Palmeiras in the uh, 2017 January transfer window. That's a good show. That's a good show. He was uh, an exceptional signing, I think. Well, something still is. Obviously, he yeah, played extremely well against Wolves, getting two goals. Definitely, whatever happens with Aguero, he's unlikely to stay for too much longer. He's only 23, isn't he? Yeah. He's so, got a massive future. So I think Jesus has definitely got to be up there with one of the best January signings as well. Worst? There have been some odd ones Oof, in January. Big money splashed. Alexis Mkhitaryan trade was just got to be up there for both of us <laughs> I mean I think both sets of fans are still trying to work that one out it definitely made more sense for United it looked like Alexis Sanchez was a player that was of immense quality who just wasn't gelling in the Arsenal team anymore and he still obviously is a player of immense quality but just didn't gel at United either yeah, I think a lot of people have that problem under Mourinho and it's now also on 490 grand a week so I mean, he's not doing too badly for himself, but yeah, I mean, I mean, for, United for fans. Note, United fans must. We need more from him. It's got. It's as simple as that. For a highest earner, he's got to be doing more. Is that is that your call then? Gabriel Jesus. Well, I think Vidic is definitely. If you look at you know Premier League greats up there, and Gabriel Jesus really hasn't had that much time, but he's won the league, scored the goal that gave City 100 points. He's never been you know among the top goal scorers, but he's been competing with one of the Premier League's best ever strikers for a place in the starting eleven. So it's kind of understandable. He's only been there two years. And when you look at the rest of the City lineup, it's even elsewhere. It's Sane, De Bruyne, Mares, Sterling, David Silva. It's just it's impossible to get a place in that team. Yeah, so Jesus looking forward is definitely, I think, going to be up there Def in the in the goal scoring seasonal records, and uh, I think he, him as a January transfer will go down as an extremely good one. Another one for me was, was Torres January. 
Yes, he was. I think that's got to be up there with the worst. But another, another great one for me. I mean, not many club legends are signed in January, but one of them has to be Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey for Fulham for three million, playing so many games as he did for them. I mean, that's got to be up there in terms of return for the club. I mean, Fulham weren't at the time and still aren't the biggest club. And the way he performed for them and became a household name around the country has to be up there. But I think my worst ever January signing has to be Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll for 30... Was it 35 million? Yeah, I think it was about 35, yeah. 35 million for Andy Carroll. I mean, I don't understand what they were thinking. Andy Carroll for 35 million to Liverpool. Liverpool, Andy Carroll. Wait, wait, didn't they sign Suarez at the same time? It wasn't Suarez a January signing as well. I'm not sure if it was the same window, but... I can remember him and Suarez being in the same shirt with Kenny Dalglish. Uh, That's a shout. I think... Do you know what? I think they were. God, Suarez has to be up there then, doesn't he? Yeah, he was. A bit of a uh, mid-podcast Googling there. But I, I thought Luis Suarez was when, when we first mentioned him. Suarez never won a league. Did he even win a trophy at Liverpool? Maybe the League Cup, but I doubt it. No, because Liverpool haven't won a trophy in ages. I don't think he did. So, obviously, not the best in terms of trophy return. But in terms of performances. And profit as well, if you look at sheer profit. Signing Suarez for uh, for less... 15, 10, 15... Less than they signed Carroll and selling him to Barca for 75. Even though he was on a... A ban for biting Chiellini. They still got seventy-five million for him. So Suarez, in terms of cost and profit, is definitely going to be up there. And in terms of quality as well, never won the league, never won a trophy. Those, perform- those nobody can forget those, those Suarez days. And that season with Sturridge and Sterling and Coutinho and Gerald Slip. Um, <laughs> that those those performances, he would just turn up. That, I remember that game really distinctly against Norwich at home when he scored four. He was, he was unplayable. Look. Yeah, so Suarez has definitely got to be up there as well. When so, you think about it, in today's market, they signed him for £65 million, which is incredible. And when you look at some of the prices that players are being bought for nowadays, yeah. for a player of his quality, £65 million is incredible. But who would, you, who would you say is the worst? I think, I mean, not as a player, but in terms of the performances he, he gave, Torres was pretty horrendous. However... When he rounded uh, Victor Valdez at the new Camp to send Chelsea to a Champions League final, uh, that was quite credible. And for all Chelsea fans, I don't think they'll ever forget that. No matter that, no matter about that miss that he had away at Old Trafford and the countless poor performances he put in, that Champions League campaign, he'll always be remembered for. Alongside Didier Drogba, playing a much smaller part, he will go down as a, a bad signing, but I wouldn't say horrendous. But when you look at how... He performed at Liverpool compared to how he performed at Chelsea. He was unplayable at Liverpool for however long he was there. And then I think he might have won worst signing of the season that year. He he will always be remembered for that Champions League campaign. But the drop-off in form that he had, maybe it was his sister, maybe it was a gaffer, I don't know. But he was a lot worse at his time at Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Moving on to the other games of the weekend, there was one obvious nil-nil, which I think we could have both predicted. However, neither of us did. And that was Cardiff Huddersfield, which was also David Wagner's last game in charge. How, yeah. do you see, how do you see Huddersfield's season going from here? I mean, can it get worse? 
Well, I mean, technically it can't. You know, they are rock bottom. These are the games that, you know, you always talk about. You kind of highlight at the beginning of the season, you know, can we go away to Cardiff and get a result? Nil-nil draw. I mean, look, Cardiff are ahead of them in the table. A point for each side. Technically, that, that favours Huddersfield. But in terms of Wagner, he's done a tremendous job with an incredibly small budget, getting through the playoffs, which is a hard thing to do, and took Huddersfield to an extremely impressive first first season in the Premier League. I don't think anyone can say that surviving that season was a feat in itself. It was That's incredible, just keeping that side up. I mean, looking yeah. at the quality of the Huddersfield lineup compared to those around them, it's quite incredible that they managed to survive that first season. So hats off well, I mean, to yeah. Wagner for that. But they, they sort of did what most clubs do when they get promoted, which is spend a lot of money to make sure they stay up, which they did. I mean, even not, not as much, nearly as much money as uh, Wolves and Fulham spent this summer. But you kind of spend the money with the new Premier League budget, make sure you stay up. And then Second season-itis just uh, seemed to kick in for them, yeah, which is unfortunate. Look, he did a tremendous job. He probably took them as far as he could take them. Recent run of form has been absolutely horrendous. It's probably best, I think, for Huddersfield. They need an injection of life somewhere, and if a new manager brings that, then... I mean, Do you know what? I think it would be great if Huddersfield took a step down to the championship, just uh, because I feel like right I now... I like Huddersfield. Yeah, but the position that they are... No manager, not a massive budget, not a great squad. I think they need time to sort of reset, in a sense, get used to the new gaffer and come back. Because I'd much rather see Cardiff go down. Do you know? I think you might. Cardiff, you might Burnley. I hate Sean Dyche because of what he said after the Arsenal game. You know, saying that we were basically cheating to paraphrase him a bit when his side were flopping all over the place and just kind of like made excuses when they had been fairly beaten I don't think the you could have called fairly beaten I mean it was we beat them 3-1 yeah okay we didn't play amazingly but it wasn't ridiculous and the way Sean Dyche made a thing out of it really annoyed me and then Neil Warnock is just a bit of an unpleasant guy really and then from there I don't really care I think honest. it's got it's got to be I Fulham. just like Huddersfield I think it's got to be Fulham to go down as well losing to Burnley this weekend one of the bizarrest turnarounds I've I've seen in recent years. Andre Schuller scoring such a, a good goal inside a, belter, a minute. A belter in in the first few minutes to put them one nil up away at Turf Moor in one of those relegation six pointers, and then Fulham scoring two own goals in the space of three minutes. The first from Dennis Adoy shutting his eyes and heading the ball into the back of his own net with the poorest clearance of the season so far. And then an unlucky defe- deflection for Joe Bryan. But, I mean, if that's the Premier League trying to tell you that it's not going to be your <laughs> yeah. season, then I'm not sure what can. Well, F- Fulham are going to face a terrible, terrible uh, economic situation if they get relegated. I mean, spending £100 million, they're... They've got to find some way to recuperate you that and getting relegated yeah, definitely is You can't spend that. £100 million and then fall behind Cardiff, to be honest. Five points off safety, 17 games to go. I mean, it is feasible. It is feasible for any of the sides. A lot can change in very few amount of games down below because, you know, they don't have too many points. So, between three, five-point stretch over two games is huge. Yeah, it's eight points separate the bottom five. I mean, it could go anywhere. We're not, uh, we're not quite at... Squeaky bum time and yet, but we are approaching it. Huddersfield, eight points from safety. So they're obviously going to be favourites 
to go down and probably finish rock bottom. Newcastle, interesting one. Do you know what? I genuinely Had think... Had the loss of Chelsea. I genuinely think that they haven't been playing that badly. It's just the results haven't been going their way. I mean, their last two games, losing to United and then Chelsea, it's been the teams that they need to get results off that they haven't. Referenced by, just before Christmas, drawing to Fulham in a game that they must... They must win. But I do think that overall, Newcastle do have the quality to stay up. And I don't think it'll be them in the bottom three come the end of the season. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it, it'll be uh, interesting to see where, where it goes from, uh, from here to the rest of the season. But it's too close to call right now. Oh my God, what a weekend for me. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer passing his first proper test as United manager with one of the performances of his United career from David De Gea. Obviously, that game against Arsenal last season comes to mind, breaking the Premier League record for most saves in a game. But Marcus Rashford coming up when it counts in his first game against a big side... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer comes out with a win and now I think I love the man even more. I mean, he just keeps proving people wrong. First game against Cardiff, 5-1, like, you know, well done. It's Cardiff. Yeah. Second game, who did he have? He had Bournemouth, then he had, what, Newcastle, maybe I missed someone in between. But, you know, they, 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 they weren't great sides. Reading. Away to Spurs is like, Wembley's a difficult place to go. 3-0 earlier on in the season to Spurs. They wiped the floor with us and, and turn around. To be fair, that second half... Spurs should have done a lot better. They had lots of pretty decent chances and couldn't put any of them away. Partly to David De Gea and partly just poor finishing, to be honest. But that United team was so much more resilient, so much more free, so much more fun to watch. I watched that. Admittedly, I only watched the second half because I uh, I couldn't watch the first half. But I mean, they just there's like a new side. It's literally like a new side wearing the same shirts. Exactly. It's incredible, especially Pogba. Just watching Pogba just stroll through the midfield. That is such ball a sight to Marcus to see. Rashford. He he was so nonchalant and so matter of fact about just pinging a beautiful ball over the top of the defense into Rashford's feet. He could do that in his sleep. Keeping a clean sheet with Phil Jones at the back has to be a properly commendable achievement. Yeah, I mean, against a good, good Spurs team as well. And obviously from that game, Harry Kane now out for uh, until the beginning of March. So a terrible, terrible uh, few days for Spurs as well. I mean, I thought my club was doing really badly. We are, I think, in a much worse position than Tottenham are. But losing their talisman for their... Uh... To be fair, they don't have too many actually huge games coming up. So they're quite lucky with that. They do have us. will be interesting. But they also have their two legs against Borussia Dortmund without Harry Kane. So whether that sees... Oh, and a human son as well. They've really lost two huge players in the space of a week now. So they've Because got when, more, when Kane's uh, been out injured... When Kane's been out injured before, they've played Song. They've played Son up front, haven't and they? And it worked alright. And it worked fine. He does well as a striker, but no Kane, no Son. I mean, Spurs. Is you're it? either you're either looking at Llorente or Vincent Janssen. I don't think either either any Spurs fan wants either of those. I think they'd rather play Deli Ali as a centre full as a player in the hole or Lucas or anyone up front rather than Janssen. I, I reckon they'll go with Lucas up top, Deli on the left. Uh, Ericsson in the middle. But with the yeah. Champions League, uh, the champion, he's going to be right. missing. Lamella. He's going to be missing the Champions League round of 16. Which I mean, it's a terrible, terrible week for Spurs. They do sort of have the squad depth. I mean, you're, using, you're losing your main striker 
and your best winger in the space of a week is, is terrible and puts him in a pretty terrible position to look. But when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took over at United, they were 11 points off Arsenal. And Arsenal not in the best form, United obviously on fire. We are now level on points with Arsenal. And I think Felix's face has just dropped as he's seen that. I can't believe it. We've made up an 11-point gap in five league games. It's quite incredible. But yeah, I mean, credit where it's due. Solskjaer's done an amazing job, especially against that game against Tottenham, which just thought United were incredible. Arsenal needs to turn something around because we really are at danger of slipping quite dramatically. Right you know now. you know, what United have done well when Felix is actually praising something that we've done. But moving on to the rest of the results, Leicester with another poor performance. And listening to 606 afterwards... A lot of angry Leicester fans, as it is almost every weekend now. More people making ludicrous claims about how he's ruining the city. And I wouldn't quite take it that far. But to lose to a poor Southampton side is a marker of where Leicester are at the moment. Yeah, I mean, losing at home to Southampton, terrible result for them. They must be expecting much better, sitting in eighth as they are. Well, with Southampton, the, the mini, mini revival continues, sort of. You know, beating Arsenal, getting a draw, losing two in between, and now beating uh, uh, beating Leicester with a, with, a draw at Chelsea, with a draw at Chelsea as well. So, you know, Southampton are, are in a much better position than they were uh, a few weeks ago. The most important thing is they've been winning the games that they have to win. They've been beating Huddersfield. They've been beating the teams Arsenal. around them. They've been beating Arsenal and drawing to Chelsea, which is quite incredible. But they've been beating the teams of similar positions. And when you're in, when you're down there, that is the most important thing that you could do. So Leicester won't, won't be too won't be too worried, but you know it's a, it's a it's a sign that they need to get their act together. Liverpool with an unconvincing win against Brighton. Yeah, I didn't think Brighton had it in them, but it was a clear penalty. Pascal Gross, having done so much for them in the last year and a half, so stupid niggling Salah all the way and then just bringing him down clumsily. If Gross hadn't given away that penalty, I don't think Liverpool would have scored that game. They didn't have a lot in them really that game. They were they were pretty poor to be honest. They Brighton, tired. Brighton were good. Uh, their defence was very solid but you know how many times have we just seen Salah single-handedly win games for Liverpool over the last year and a half? Uh, and that's exactly what he did again and it's, it's sort of become a commonplace. City on the Monday night with a convincing win against Wolves. And unfortunately, the game was decided by an unfortunate red card to Matis Bolly. Was it a red card? There have been there have been much worse challenges this year that have gone unpunished. There is this like thing that's going on in the Premier League, which is basically a string of tackles this year that I've noticed. Which is basically people. It happened to a Jan Vertonghen away at Arsenal for a second yellow. Company. I'm talking about tackles where people go in. Fabian Delph away at Leicester was another one. Um, they basically go in. They win the ball, but as they win the ball and their foot clearly touches the ball first, they continue onto the player and catch them above the ankle on the studs and it's always given as a straight red and Vertonghen's a yellow, but I'm sure it might have been a red anyway. It's like Anguissa against United for Fulham. It's the same sort of thing. Yeah, and so it's it's becoming one of those things that the Premier League basically needs to make his mind up. It's, and is it's, it a it, foul? And it is it? sort of sending a message that it is a, it's a foul, it's a red card, basically. If you win the ball first, but you still carry on and catch the man, winning the ball is basically tucked out the window and it's as if the ball was never there and that's not what you were going for. You're going for the ankle and you hit it and that's a red card. And I don't really think 
that that should be the rule. I think there are so many situations. Like the the uh, the Vertonghen one at Arsenal. Obviously, it was nice to see a Tottenham player sent off, but he couldn't have won. You can't sweep through as a slide tackle win the ball and then just stop your foot you know you have momentum and if a player then leaves his leg dangling Lacazette as it was and you carry on to them I think it's quite harsh to give that as a red because it's like basically right you can't tackle sliding even if you win the ball but in Vertonghen's case it was the yellow yeah but he was already he was already booked though so it could have been a red and so they just need to be a bit more clear because I don't understand how you can win the ball and then stop yourself so it was another one of those tackles however would City have won away at Wolves if he hadn't been sent off in the 19th minute? Almost definitely. So it, Jesus I, scoring two. Jesus scoring two, yeah. Good penalty. I, I like this penalty. I thought it was quite mm. quite classy. And uh, yeah, and then there was also the own goal. Another Leroy Sané low driven across the six-yard box. How many of them have we seen uh, tapping in front of the goal? Um, but City are playing with a real flair now. I mean, they've always had the flair. But, you know, they had a couple of results that let Liverpool get a bit of a lead. Now they are really, really going for it again. And Guardiola's basically said, we can't lose again. We can barely even draw again if we want to win this league. And they look like they're up for it. I think that it'll do that City team a world of good to have a consistent week-in, week-out challenge. Because if they start losing games, or drawing games even, Liverpool will get further ahead. It's that thing of you have to win every game to keep up with them. And that's irritatingly enough for me. That will just push that City team onwards and make them even better. But I guess it's you could say the same about United and going for top four. But if we look if we look at our predictions from last week. Going through, yeah. Comparing how we did. Starting with West Ham Arsenal, the early kickoff on the Saturday. Both of us predicted an Arsenal uh, win. Uh, There's one, a big upset straight two, away. 2-1 and 3-1, so uh, no one uh, got any points there. We, we should come up with a point system for this. I think one point mm. for the uh, result is for the outcome, three points for the result, and we'll, we'll, we'll tally up. But that is soon to come on the Premier League Roundup show. Tune in for episode six next week, and you will find that. Brighton-Liverpool. Leo went with 3-0, I went with 4-0 Liverpool. Wasn't as convincing as we thought. Yeah, but... Brighton away is becoming a difficult place to go. Mm. Uh, you know, Arsenal drawing there, Liverpool scraping a win. But it's what the champions do, you know, go away, win 1-0, don't play very well. Get in, get out. Grunning out the results, isn't yeah. it? So uh, we got, got a Liverpool win right, but uh, not in the same fashion as we thought. Burnley-Fulham, I went with a 2-1 Fulham win. Leo went with a 1-0. So unfortunately, none of us have got a score yet. We've only got the Liverpool win, which is basically, uh, doesn't, doesn't really count. Cardiff-Huddersfield, Leo said a 1-0 Cardiff win. I said a 2-1 Cardiff win. We need to start altering these a bit. We, we sort of went with each other on a lot of them. We're not sounding uh, that good, are we? Yeah, I mean, that first week I got like three correct scores and I was feeling really good, but this week I've had a bit of a shocker. I think I was actually thinking going nil-nil, but then... Um, it must have been... A, I think we said at one point this is another nil-nil. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why we didn't, but anyway... Palace, Watford. We predicted different winners. Leah went with a 2-1 Watford win. Oh, well, there we go. It's and, been a while since I've got one bang on, but... And got exactly that. I went with a 1-0 Palace win. Wan-Bissaka didn't do it for you. He did. Well, he got an assist. Helps out the fantasy, but nothing else. Leicester, Leicester Southampton... Both went we with went Leicester 2-0 and 1-0 respectively to Leicester. Poor, poor from us. To be fair, some of these results are fairly surprising. Uh, Chelsea-Newcastle. I went with a 4-2 Chelsea win. Leo went with a 3-0 Chelsea win. Got the result right. I mean, got the outcome right. Not really the result, but... Everton-Bournemouth. Leo went with a 2-0 Everton win. Oh, I'm on fire this week. I am on fire. And got it right. So, well done. Did I you say with, Bournemouth? I went with a 2-0 Bournemouth win. 
Unlucky, mate. Uh, very Unlucky. Very, very poor for me. Leo, I didn't actually get Leo's prediction for Spurs United. I went with I went for a two one because I didn't think two, that with one. Phil Jones in the lineup we would have we would have kept a clean sheet but you know got the Dave saves I went with a one all nearly nearly you've nearly had a mare this week haven't you no hang on to save it Man City I predicted a three nil Manchester City victory at home to Wolverhampton Wanderers on the Monday night. And got it bang on. Good way to finish it. Leo, we are a bit unsure of what you predicted. I went with a one-all draw. I went with a one-all draw. I thought the Wolves would do it against a, against a big side again. When we, get a, when we get a manager of this podcast, they'll all be... When we hit the big time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, feel free to drop any uh, positive comments and try and attract a manager for us. That'll, that'll do just fine. Pass it on, if you will, as well. Pass the pod. Oh, yeah. Pass the pod, you know. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, Christmas is over, but the, the gifts keep on flying in. Anyone you know, anyone interested in football, give them a little heads up about this podcast. And so finally, we move on to the uh, predictions for next week's fixtures. Got some fairly saucy fixtures, nothing brilliant, apart from, of course, Arsenal-Chelsea, 5.30 Saturday at the Emirates. That is easily the highlight of the fixtures. I'd say Newcastle-Cardiff's coming close, mate. Yeah, to be fair, to be fair, we can't disregard them. Fulham-Spurs, you know, two depleted sides, you never know. London Derby, but... Yeah, I mean, there are so many London... There's pretty much London Derby every week. We had a West Ham... Uh, West Ham, Arsenal, Arsenal, Chelsea, we've got two this week. Spurs. Uh, I mean, we've got, this is what happens when you have six uh, Premier League London clubs. Not for long. And they all think. play each other. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll Kicking see. it off then. First game on the Saturday. 12.30 kick-off. It is Wolves-Leicester. I can only see this going one way. I don't think that Leicester have got the ability to turn around this poor form just yet, especially if Claude Powell keeps on doing what he's doing, which isn't actually that much wrong, but I do think Wolves will win it. I'm going to say 2-1 to Wolves. Yeah, I think Leicester need to come back at it, and I think they will. I'm going to go for a, a one all. I don't uh, want to agree with Leo too much again, so we can have a bit more of a competition than last week. Uh, which I sort of subconsciously uh, did, so we're, we're sorry about that. I'm just too much of a role model. <laughs> Footballing genius, I think. Yeah. Bournemouth, um, West Ham. I haven't made... Oh, did I say one or... Yeah, sorry, I did. I just think Leicester will uh, will find it in them again after that poor result. And Wolves, you know, a bit of, bit of the magic starting to fuse out, I think. Well, you had such a passion for Wolves. I did, actually. Early on in the season. I did. I like Wolves. I do, I do still like them. I'm just, I don't think that they are going to continually go around and beat everyone below them. At some point, you know, people are going to start catching up. But, you know, they're, they're, they're a good side. So, moving on. Bournemouth-West Ham. Nice and easy. I'm going to go with a 2-0 West Ham win. That's a pretty solid shout. I reckon I'll give you that one. Bournemouth, one win in their last five. Can't really see them doing much. I'm going to go 3-1 West Ham. Liverpool Palace. This is a big one. I think Liverpool uh, Palace, well, Liverpool will be, but Palace will be so up for this. I'm going first, and I'm predicting a 2 draw. Palace love a good score draw against Liverpool over the years, and so that's what I'm going for. Leaving you with the easy shout, predicting a Liverpool win, but I'm going to go out there and uh, be a bit more... Adventurous? Adventurous. Yeah, I'm... Going to predict Liverpool win, I think, as the majority of people would. But Felix does seem to like dropping points as an Arsenal fan. (coughs) So I'm going to go with a 2-0 Liverpool win. I don't think it'll be massively convincing, but with Van Dijk at the back, it's always hard to call against Liverpool. So I'm just going to go 2-0, nice and easy. Some people might say boring, but... Some of us, myself included. Uh, United, Brighton. Brighton... 
Been unlucky these last two games. Got United coming up. I'm going to go with... I think the uh, Solskjaer revival is just going to continue, really. But it will be brought down, brought back down to earth slightly. I think a 3-2 Manchester United attacking victory. I wouldn't say no to a 3-2, but I just hope that we could keep two clean sheets in a row as we haven't been able to do much this season. Bit of a family rivalry in this one. A couple of family members support Brighton. So... Could be a tough one, but I think that Solskjaer will make it seven wins out of seven. I'm going to go 3-0, convincing all over them. Easy does it. Moving on, Newcastle-Cardiff. Big, now, big game at the bottom of the table. Newcastle, I believe this to be true at the time of recording, have the most nil-nil draws in the league this year, and I see another one coming. Could it come true? So I'm going to go with another Newcastle home nil-nil draw. Probably quite sensible. I'm going to go for Cardiff to win this one. Going away to St James's Park, not always the easiest. But I don't know. I think it's just something about a scrappy 90-second minute winner that I feel will come true on this one. So I'm going to go for a 1-0 away win for Cardiff. It's a good shout. Good shout. Newcastle will be uh, been playing well. They'll be uh, disappointed if they lose to Cardiff. All right. mm. uh, Southampton-Everton. Southampton's revival, could it potentially continue... Everton, whatever. Everton in their last game, getting a good home win against Bournemouth with a uh, Kazuma uh, getting on it. The best name in football, I believe. His, do you know what his middle name is? I don't. His middle name's Happy. His middle name is Happy. Well, that Kurt makes, Happy Zuma. That, what a what a man. That makes me happy knowing he has such a such a wonderful middle name as well as Zuma. First goal, uh, first goal for the club as well. It was. Yeah. Wait, Dortmund. how do you see this one going then? Uh, I'd go with a 2-0 Everton away victory, making it two 2 nils on the bounce. I'm going to go for a 2-1, I think. 2 to Everton. No, that's too similar. Come on, we've got we to gotta knock it about a bit. That's like saying that Huddersfield are going to be City 3-0 just for the sake of difference. Just go with like a 1-0. Like a <sighs> All right, fine. 2-1 to went, Everton. I went 2-0. Leo's going 2-1 because he's so original. Watford Burnley... I'm going with a 3-0 Watford win. I reckon uh, Pereira and De La Feia will be on the score sheet. You heard it here first. Well, judging by what Felix has just said, I'm going to get slated if I go for something similar to him. So, just for the sake of a bit of competition, I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Not really my first choice, but, you know, now we have for competition's the, sake. Yeah, the big one on the Saturday. Arsenal-Chelsea. Huge, huge game in the context of the top four. On BT as well, which means I can watch it. Thank God. There aren't many good games on BT, seeing as Sky's hogging everything. But nice one to sit down to, 5.30 on the Saturday. How do you see this one going? Apologies if you, uh, like me, don't take too much of a caring about uh, Leo's TV viewing. But anyway... <laughs> Massive game for top four. I think when Arsenal have been up for it this season, we've been bloody good. And when we've been off the pace and off the boil, we've been crap. Uh, but I think we'll be up for it. Like that Spurs game, I think Arsenal will win this game 2-1. And this is where I'm going to let you down. I won't be offended. I mean, no one in their right mind is betting on Arsenal right now. I just I think that when we're at home, when we're up for it, it we can do do good things. I think it all depends on the lineup that Emery puts out because it's whether whether or not he'll come up with something ridiculous like playing three holding midfielders again. But less ridiculous at home to Chelsea than it is at home to Huddersfield. Yeah, I mean it's it it would be fairly realistic for him to do that. 
But I think Chelsea, seven points clear of them in the league. Obviously striving to keep that top four place intact under pressure from United and under some pressure from Arsenal. I'm going to say a 2-0 Chelsea win. I think they're going to silence the Emirates. Nope. Huddersfield City. Oof. On the Sunday. Oof. Huddersfield, managerless, rock bottom, looking terrible. City in unbelievable form. I'm going to go with a 5-0 Man City victory. Aguero. With, is, this feels like one of the games where Aguero could get a hat-trick. Yeah, he always... He tends to score like four at home. And then when they go away, they always seem to score. Like all of them. I reckon uh, Sané, I'll say. Sané will get on the score sheet and City will win 5-0. 5-0. You know what? I can't go for the sake of diversity for this one. I'm, I think it would be stupid if anybody called Huddersfield in this one. I'm going to go 4-0. Just nice and easy, hammering, easy business, in and out. Moving on, last game of the weekend. Another London derby. Uh, slightly less significant than the... The stakes are slightly lower. But Spurs going to Craven Cottage for Fulham... Without Kane, without Son, huge, huge losses. Fulham will be up for it, but I don't think they will have enough. I don't think that the signing of Ryan Babel for Fulham's really going to strike too much fear into Spurs' hearts. But Spurs, strikerless. Do you know what? I'm going to go big. 1-0 Fulham. 1-0 Fulham. Foolish. What foolish. a way to end the podcast. That would be a result that would make my weekend. If all those results come true, then I'll be a very, very happy person. Liverpool drawing, Chelsea losing, Spurs losing and Arsenal winning. I what mean, are you what, saying then? What more can you want in a in a uh, weekend as an Arsenal fan? What are you predicting? For what? Spurs, for oh, I haven't done Fulham Spurs. You haven't, you haven't made a prediction yet, man. Oh, God, it's, it's been a long, it's been a long uh, Wednesday. So I will go with 2-0 Tottenham victory, unfortunately. But, you know, I do commend Leo for his faith in the cottages, even though it may turn out to be completely blind. I think it might be. But that will go ahead and wrap it up for today. Thank you all very much for listening. If you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to give us a rating and a review. It massively helps the podcast and helps promote us to a wider audience. Thank you very much for listening. And don't forget to get in touch on Twitter at PL Roundup Show. And we'll see you all next week to dissect the next round of fixtures.